Just a quick message before we get started. VT Digger's annual membership drive is happening now. And this year, we're partnering with the Vermont Food Bank. Before the pandemic hit, about 1 in 10 Vermonters reported struggling with access to food. In March, that number increased to 1 in 3. So right now, for every donation VT Digger receives, we'll donate the cost of 10 meals to the Vermont Food Bank. If you want to help out and support facts and food, head to vtdigger.org slash foodbank. Thanks. From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, the COVID-19 vaccine is here. 5,850 doses of the Pfizer vaccine have arrived in Vermont. And frontline healthcare workers have already begun receiving the shots. And while there are still unanswered questions about how the next phase of the rollout will go, medical workers are already celebrating the vaccine as the beginning of the end of the pandemic. You might have seen the first vaccination in Vermont on Tuesday. Cindy Wamsgans, an ER nurse at the UVM Medical Center, got the injection on a live broadcast from the state's largest hospital after speeches from the hospital's top officials. Because of the pain and suffering and disruption that COVID has uh, created, the message today is one of hope and looking forward. But Cindy's vaccination was only momentous because it was the first of many. Over the next few days, hundreds more medical workers in Vermont were vaccinated, with more to come next week and every week after that. And these shots are happening with relatively little fanfare in small clinics at small hospitals around the state. Check, check. <clears throat> so our healthcare reporter, Katie Jickling, and I went to see one. George is ready to go. Do we have alcohol? On Wednesday, about... 40 or so people gathered in a basement conference room at Gifford Medical Center in Randolph. Nurse people who are sticking, call the next person up, review their sheet with them, give them their injection, move them to the next room. Next patient. All right. Go. Ready. Okay. It was really one of the biggest groups I've been in for probably for a month, honestly. And they were all there to get the vaccine. So they were in this kind of drab conference room and they had set up a a screen and a place for doctors and nurses and patient facing uh, workers at the hospital to be able to get the first COVID vaccines. Here it goes. That's what I get for working here for 32 years. Exactly. This is Suzanne Burgos. She was the first person at Gifford to get a shot. Yeah, I couldn't even feel it. Painless, but momentous at the same time. Why momentous? Uh, because we've really been waiting for the vaccine to get here to get a handle on this pandemic. It's been a long, hard road for everybody. Uh, so we're really proud here at Gifford to be getting uh, vaccines into people this early. What were your thoughts kind of leading up to today? What were you thinking about? Oh, I've been really excited about it. I've been following the science and following the vaccine uh, development. So I, with no hesitation, um, getting this novel vaccine. How'd you get to be first? Um, I volunteered to help with the clinic, and I was scheduled for Friday, and they said if you're going to volunteer to give shots today, then you might as well just have your first, have the first shot. 
It was quite the festive affair. Everybody was just very enthusiastic and talking and laughing. It was the holiday theme day at the hospital. So everybody was dressed up in these absurd, ugly Christmas sweaters, which really, with all bells and pom-poms and things that really set the mood as this really exciting day in what has been just a long, dragged-out pandemic. You know, for healthcare workers, this has been a heck of a long year. People are exhausted. You know, they're not only caring for people here, but they're dealing with what everybody else in the community is dealing with as well. This is Dan Bennett, the hospital CEO. So, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a big uh, boost up for them as well and uh, hopefully help us get through this next period, um, uh, you know, while we're hopefully starting to get a hold of this crisis and help people who need to come to work every day, who need to keep taking care of patients, need to keep supporting one another. So I think it's a, I think it's huge. Yeah, it's really huge. We're, we're, We're pretty excited. This is great. We talked to one doctor right after his shot, Anthony Fazone, an anesthesiologist. He said the experience felt historic. Yeah, what do you mean by historic? Um, it just, it, I'm feeling like a part of history, and you could, you, it's just, right now there seems to be you know, a certain amount of bad news in the world, and this is just nothing but good news as far as I'm concerned. He's been on the front lines as, as part of the series of firsts, as part of the pandemic, really since the beginning. So in March, Anthony Fizone performed the state's first intubation for a COVID patient at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center. And then on Wednesday, he was one of the first healthcare workers to get the vaccine. What is that like, having done that, and then sort of seeing the whole progression? And, and how do you... How, do you, how does that change how you think about it? I think that was, I was feeling discouraged about things when I performed that intubation. I thought it was the beginning of something really dark that was going to overtake the state. And I've been impressed with the way the people of Vermont have cooperated with one another and and really saw the need to come together as a community and actually protect one another by wearing masks and doing what was asked of them. And so I've been proud to be a Vermonter through this. We really saw in him the way that this is a light at the end of the tunnel. It has been really hard for healthcare workers. Even in Vermont, where there haven't been the same number of cases as we saw in New York City and now in the Midwest, there is just a a drain of even just wearing PPE constantly and of worrying about possible exposure to the virus. And we saw in Anthony Fazone that the vaccine, you know, could could change that. I was just so surprised at the unbridled optimism from everyone we talked to there, that even coming from doctors and medical officials who usually are kind of measured and will give you sort of a a range of outcomes, they seemed so overwhelmingly optimistic about what was happening there. There was this optimism. And I think sometimes doctors tend to want to make sure everybody knows the risks and possible negative outcomes, and it creates this very sober outlook. But I think this was an opportunity for people to really imagine what the end of the pandemic 
will look like. We've heard that multiple times that this this vaccine is the beginning of the end. But when you get it, you can start to think about what will it look like when schools open and when will we be able to, I think a nurse talked about being able to see her 94-year-old mom for the first time in months. And we can really start to imagine going back to normal. And I think the doctor's And nurses and people at Gifford really allowed themselves to imagine that on Wednesday. And I think that's the the positive environment and optimism that we were seeing. So were you involved in the planning of like this specific event here? Yeah. How, like, when did you actually have the information you needed to to put this together? Um, Yesterday. (laughs) This is Monica Boyd. She's helped coordinate much of the hospital's COVID response. Uh, Yeah, what's the process been like? Um, It's been... um, It's been very fluid. So we've had limited information up until yesterday when we learned the vaccine is on its way. And so we've been operating with a lot of theoreticals and kind of planning for that scenario and kind of finalizing details as they become available to us. Um, When we found out we were getting the vaccine yesterday afternoon, we mobilized very quickly, made some phone calls and decided to put together a short clinic for today to kind of run through the process so that our, our larger clinics can operate more you know, efficiently and fluidly. So um, made the phone calls and based on staffing and who was available, got folks in today. Um, so this is kind of a test run for what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When do the clinics kind of ramp up? Like when, when are higher numbers of people going to get the shot? So uh, this week we got 110 doses. So we're doing 20 today and we're doing 90 on Friday. Um, and then next week we'll have, we're planning clinics on Wednesday the 23rd and then Wednesday the 30th. Um, and those, I'm waiting to hear final verification on the, the vaccines that we'll have available to us, but potentially up to 300 individuals each one of those days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling generally? I feel like really energized. Um, this is, it's, it's, there's a little bit of an adrenaline rush going with just trying to get everything coordinated. And uh, this is really exciting. The hospital is getting ready to uh, provide vaccines to all of its staff or all of the people who want it, as well as the EMS workers, other doctors and, and nurses and dentists in the area. And this is the first wave of that. How long is this going to take? How quickly are they going to be able to get most of their frontline medical staff vaccinated? Chief Medical Officer Josh White said that the hospital would likely be able to get through all of the area medical workers, certainly by the end of January, and start vaccinating essential workers within the next month or month and a half. Wow. So this is happening pretty fast. I think that's the other thing that we heard from workers, just this sort of amazement at how fast everything has happened. The Food and Drug Administration approved this vaccine just less than a week ago. Already it has been shipped to Vermont and distributed to the hospitals, and they're already handing it out. So this has really been a whirlwind. And I think people are all, you know, doing their best to keep up with it all. This is pretty revolutionary, this this technology. Chief Medical Officer Josh White. mRNA vaccines, they basically hijack what a virus does. When you get a cold, um, depending on what virus it is, it injects DNA or RNA into your system. 
and then your body starts making that and you get sick and then you fight it off. Well, Pfizer and now Moderna have figured out how to do that same thing with mRNA and get it into your body. And so your, um, your body then, in this case, will start making the spike protein. It's just a part of the coronavirus and it creates a much bigger immune response than your average vaccine. It's also much, much faster because all they need is the DNA or RNA uh, sequence of whatever virus you're talking about. And so Pfizer was able to start working on this before anybody in the U.S. had acquired it because they got the RNA sequence and the Chinese identified it. Um, and so in the future, like vaccine development is going to be much, much faster baseline. That's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's incredibly cool technology. I mean, you have to be a little bit of a science nerd, but... <laughs> Are you encouraging staff to get it? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is so effective, and uh, there's still a theoretical possibility that even though you're protected from coronavirus, you could have the virus in your nose, and you just don't get sick, and you could pass it on. I don't think that's going to be the case, but if the virus can't move around much and most of us are protected, ultimately it will slowly disappear from the population, and this is how we protect our patients. Uh, it's the same concept with influenza vaccine and such. It's, it's not necessarily about me, I'm lower risk, but if I, get, if I can't pass it on, my patients are safer. It really is a very simple injection. People who got it said they didn't even feel it, really. So you got the shot. How are you feeling? Great. It was a really actually minor shot. Tetanus is much worse. So in that sense, it's a little bit anticlimactic. It's not this huge medical procedure. It's relatively simple. And I think that is part of the amazement as well, that, that we saw and heard just the realization that this simple vaccine can really hopefully change our lives back to normal within the next few months. Right. You wouldn't know just by looking at it that it has this huge historic significance. It kind of looks like a flu shot or any other shot. Exactly. That's one thing that we heard from Josh White is this reminder that even though this vaccine has been produced and created, you know, in a record amount of time, it is not new technology and people should really trust this vaccine. It has been tested and it has been reviewed by scientists and experts. And that's really part of the pitch to encourage as many people as possible to get this vaccine. Most of the technology isn't new. We've known how to sequence DNA for a long time. We just didn't know how to get it into a vaccine that wasn't going to fall apart. That part's new to stabilize it. It's not as new as, as uh, it uh, sounds. It's not as scary as it sounds. People are like, oh, I don't like the idea of you putting RNA or DNA in my body. Well, that happens every time you get a virus. That happens every time you get a bacteria. That's not new. It just sounds scary. The vaccine process has been a very politicized um, process nationally. It has been a big part of the 2020 presidential election, and there have been doubts cast on it by President Trump and by other leaders. And so I think the way that people have thought about it is with a level of skepticism. And and some of that is is fair in that you know, in the past, there there have been issues with vaccines for minority groups, especially there there is a certain level of distrust. 
But the message we're hearing from doctors and from public health officials is that this is really important, that it has been tested. And, you know, I I think we will know because this is being rolled out to thousands and millions of people within a very short period of time, we'll start to see if there are any risks. And so far, we we haven't seen anything like that. Mm. So if there are people who maybe they just don't want to go first, but as they see that these initial waves of vaccine have rolled out without incident that that might kind of boost the overall level of public confidence in what's happening here. That's right. There there are national surveys that show that about 60% or so of the American population has said that they would be willing to get this vaccine immediately. And this this was a couple months ago that these surveys were were done. And really we've seen that play out so far. Like at Gifford, about 60% of the 600 workers at the hospital said they were interested in a vaccine. So we'll see in the coming weeks whether that number increases. One of the main things people are going to want to know is when this vaccine will be available to them. You know, if right now this is just going out to healthcare workers, you know, maybe some other types of medical workers like EMTs and dentists and that sort of thing, and then long-term care facilities as well. What about for just kind of members of the general public? What do we know and what do we not know about what that level of the rollout is going to look like? We're going to see just a growing number of vaccines that the state is going to receive in the coming weeks. So far, Vermont is receiving about 5,800 this week. That really is not that many in the context of our population of about 625,000 people. So we heard from Josh White that the first essential workers in the Orange County area might be able to receive the vaccine by the end of January or so. And of course, that will include, you know, the people working at grocery stores or, you know, really on the front lines in other careers. Teachers, people working in schools, people working in homeless shelters or group homes. And depending on how many vaccines are approved and how many the state receives will really depend how fast that can happen. The FDA is expected to approve the Moderna vaccine on Thursday, and the number of doses should increase from there. As for the rest of the population, we expect that for the people who are younger and healthier, maybe don't have underlying conditions, they should hopefully be able to receive a vaccine by May or June. But we really just don't know yet. And what about in terms of, you know, when you talk about essential workers and then other members of the general public, like, do we have a breakdown of exactly what professions go where, you know, who's in line where, and how will those people know when their turn is up? That's a question that the state health officials are still working through. And it's a hard question. You know, there may be people who overlap in some of those areas, you know, people who somebody who's over 65, but is not an essential worker or someone who might have an underlying condition. And so there are a lot of really fuzzy lines. And the state is going to continue to refine its vaccine guidance. And we may hear that as early as by the end of this week. 
But most of this, once once we finish with these first groups of people with long-term care facilities and with hospital and medical workers, most of this will be done through your primary care doctor. Most of the messaging will come from the state. And as it stands now, people will call their doctor when it's their turn and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready or I'm interested in scheduling an appointment to get that vaccine. And that is primarily the way that the state is expecting to reach those people. Do you think that we will see this eventually take sort of the shape of the state's testing infrastructure where there become more and more sites that aren't necessarily doctor's offices where you can go to get a vaccine? Or does it seem like that maybe is not really on the table? For right now, doctors or certain medical providers can sign up to be a vaccine provider. And that might include, obviously, the hospitals are already doing that. And the pharmacies are providing the vaccines for the long-term care facilities. So I think we'll continue to see those. And then independent providers into smaller practices or you know, independent doctors will also sign up. There is the possibility that you know the state will have other ways to provide the vaccine. They're going to set up Department of Health clinics for people who don't have insurance, for instance, or who maybe don't have a primary care doctor. Hmm. So far, that's not the plan for people who do have insurance and do have a doctor. But I think that could change depending on how smoothly it goes and depending on what kind of supply of vaccines that we have and whether the doctors who are already available can handle that supply. Got it. So the the coming potential authorizations and just the amount that's able to be manufactured and distributed is really going to be the deciding factor here? I think so, as well as access. You know, are there enough doctors in the rural parts of the state, like in the Northeast Kingdom, say, or in other small towns to be able to provide vaccines to everybody who needs them? You know, the state wants everybody to be vaccinated, and so they don't want Vermonters to have to drive an hour to get a vaccine because that will decrease the number of people who are willing or able to get it. When we talk about this end goal, like the light at the end of the tunnel, how do we know when we get there? Like, what is the actual benchmark that we are looking for that will really kind of signal that things are returning to normal? There are a couple different things that we can look at. Scientists have said that if 70 or 80% of the population gets the vaccine, we'll have herd immunity, which means that there are just enough people who have had either the virus or the vaccine that it's no longer spreading. We also can just look at the amount of virus in the community. At some point, whether it's because of social distancing or because of vaccines or likely both, we're just going to see such a low case count in the community that it's really safe to open up. And I think what we're going to see is Governor Scott gradually turning the spigot, as he likes to say. You know, maybe next fall, all the schools will be back in session in person full time and businesses will be back. And as we continue to see low case counts, that reopening will continue and we can go back to normal. But for now, doctors and public health officials continue to say, you know, we should plan on continuing to wear masks, continuing to social distance for the foreseeable future. Got it. And we'll know 
when the time comes that we no longer have to do those things. Yeah, I think I think what exactly that point is isn't totally clear. I don't think we have a marker when this exact number of people has the vaccine or anything like that, that all of a sudden it'll flip a switch and everything will be back to normal. I think it will be a gradual shift back to what we think of as normal. Got it. Thank you, Katie, for the rundown. Thanks, Mike. You can find more of our reporting on the COVID-19 vaccine at vtdigger.org and get all of our COVID-19 coverage at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We're taking a short hiatus for the holidays, but we'll be back in January with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then.